What's up, everybody? This is Chris DiStefano, a.k.a. Chris Reed DiStefano, and this is Christeries. It's my new look. Deal with it. Today, we're going to be talking about the sexiest president who I want to FM, but not K, because our government already did that, allegedly, and who handled the bomb threat like a boss. That's right, JFK and the Cuban Missile Crisis. All right, so let's set the scene. America had helped liberate Cuba in the 1890s. We, got, we told you about that. Shout out Gloria Stefan. They helped liberate them. And the U.S. said it was all because of freedom and, our, and you know, freedom from colonizers. But the U.S. really what they wanted is they wanted to buy and trade Cuba's sugar and cotton. Because Cuba had a lot of money in azúcar and cotton. The fabric of our lives. Cotton, the touch, the feel, the fabric of Cuba. Shortly after Cuba got uh, liberated, they went through a lot of different leaders. Cuba had an identity crisis like many of the teens today in America. Shortly after Cuba got liberated, they went through a lot of different leaderships. First, they started out, they were a republic with a presidential system of government, very close to like how the founding fathers set up America. <laughs> then they went through authoritarian rule, which is kind of like, you know, my way or the highway. They were like my mom. Then they went through a democratic republic, which is what we have now where everybody's gay. So then the final one, the final boss, they went through a military dictatorship where people are repressed, censored, and human rights were seriously abused. Um, and they had uh, uh, close ties with these foreign corporations and organized crime was running everything. This is, oh, you do not want military dictatorship. You do not want that to happen. That is bad. Like I said, you get repressed, you get censored, and your human rights are abused, which um, which is, that's how college kids say they feel right now in America. They think America's under military dictatorship. I'm like, no, our president shits his pants. Then this led to another revolution in Cuba, and this is where my man Fidel Castro, aka the Cuban Liam Neeson, comes in. Fidel Castro and the Cuban revolution, revolution de Cuba. So Fidel Castro was uh, one of the leaders to lead the Cuban revolution, and he overthrew the military dictatorship by Fulgencio Bautista. Fulgencio Bautista was the military dictator, and he was a bad, bad guy. Very, very bad guy. And this was a revolution that went on for years. It included political activism, boring, guerrilla warfare, fun. And Castro's hottie with the body, his friend that always wears a beret, Che Guevara. Michael Che Guevara. Che, literally... I can't go on the road with Sergio without him quoting something from Che Guevara. It's like all this guy wants to, I'm like, then go be Che Guevara. Go be Che Guevara and wind up dead in Honduras. I think that's where he died. So what happened is he saw all these years of struggles, all these problems. And then finally in 1959, Fidel and his revolutionaries, they were successful in overthrowing Batista's government. They finally got Fulgencio Batista out of here. If I have another kid, I'm naming it Fulgencio. Yay, because it almost sounds like you're saying Fugazi, but you're saying Fulgencio. Fulgencio Batista sounds like a shortstop for the Mets. 1959, Fidel and the revolutionaries, they were successful, and they overthrew Fulgencio Batista's government, and then Castro and his supporters, they established a socialist state. Oh, hi, AOC. So Castro and his supporters, they established the socialist state, but the main goal was communism. We're going to get to that in a second, but they did establish the first communist state in the Western Hemisphere after they overthrew Fulgencio Batista, batting second for the New York Mets. 
while the Cubans are fighting, guess who else is fighting? The U.S. and the Soviet Union. And you can see that detailed in Stranger Things. The Cold War, baby. It's all happening. It's approaching. And the U.S. is all about democracy. And let's be real, babes, capitalism. We're all about democracy, capitalism, and being the 1% in Epstein's Island. That's what we're about here. That Epstein's Island, even though it's not in the United States, it is a U.S. territory. So what is the total opposite of democracy? Communism. Communism, if you have, if you have, you know, if, if capitalism is a boy, communism is a girl. Okay. It's, they're just opposites. Okay. They are oppie woppies. And, uh, I guess socialism is trans socialism is a little bit of kind of both. It's a little commie, a little capitalist. It's a little, you know, that's what it is. Okay. So there was a whole group of people that were dedicated to being communists, and they call themselves the USSR, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. It was a federal state that had this big, huge territory stretching across Eastern Europe and Asia. So Russia is just like too big. If you ask me, Russia is too big. They're like the Wreck-It Ralph of the world. They're too, too big. So the Soviet Union, it was led by the Communist Party. Of course, that's what that's what they're about. Soviet Union, USSR, about that communism, baby. Um, it had a general secretary uh, to plan the economy, and pretty much the government just controlled everything. They controlled the industries, resources, what you can and can't do. It's all about the government. And I understand some people like communism because it's like, you know, freeing, like you don't have to worry about going out and making money, but it ultimately always ends with you in some type of camp and not the good camp either. Not the, not the camp where one of your guidance counselors will jerk you off when you're 15. Shout out Counselor David. All right, so let's go through a few forms of government. Democracy, which is the one right here in the United States, it's a form of government in which the people have the power to participate directly or indirectly, if unless the elections are rigged, in the decision-making process of their government. It is characterized by free and fair elections, allegedly, and the protection of individual rights and freedoms and the rule of law. Okay, so democracy is good. Communism, yikes, is a political and economic ideology. They have ideology in the definition. That should be a red flag with the Russians. That should have a red flag with a bear on it, which is the flag of the USSR, I think. Communism's a political and economic ideology. Red flag. If you have ideology in the definition, red flag, that's why Russia's, that's why the USSR's flag is red. That there are no classes, rich or poor, that pretty much everybody's the same. No, no private property, unless you're an oligarch. And everyone works for the common good in which all citizens have equal access to resources and opportunities. Survey says, that's a lie. It's up for debate. But most people say that a communist state is almost impossible to achieve because the closest people, the closest people have come to communism is socialism. And they're right, baby. Okay? It's almost impossible. You're not going to get everyone to live harmoniously like that. It's a pipe dream. Okay? What is socialism? Socialism is a political and economic system in which the means of production, such as factories, land, and resources, are all owned and controlled by the state or by the workers themselves. The goal of socialism is to achieve greater economic and social equality by redistributing wealth and power more evenly across society. So that I kind of understand more. I still think it's impossible, but it's a little bit more understanding. Communism, go fuck yourself. Okay, so the USA versus the USSR, Rocky IV. So the US, they were never really fans of the USSR. And let's be honest, even if they were around today, we still probably wouldn't be fans. Um, so that is why... This was a big deal during World War II because FDR, Stalin, Churchill met at the Tehran conference. So we're kind of like adversaries. I wouldn't say we were enemies, 
but we're kind of come together in a common good to defeat fascism and the Nazis, right? America and the USSR were not allies. They just came together during World War II to fight the Nazis. So we kind of knew we'll get together, we'll beat up the Nazis, but then we're going to go back to fighting each other again. That's pretty much was like a, like it was like an unsaid thing. Um, so World War II ends, we win, you know, the, the, the allied powers win. And now we each want USA and the USSR each want, you know, their political ways to be practiced around the world. We want democracy. They want communism. And this is what's known as the cold war. This is where, this is where that term, the cold war comes from. And it is a period of geopolitical tension between the Soviet union and the U S and their respective allies. It's called cold because technically they didn't fight. When you fight, it's hot. When you don't fight, it's cold. You know, that's why they say like when you cheat on someone, emotional cheating is worse than actual cheating because even though you might be having hot sex, it's really fucked up if you're just like sending texts and emojis. That's cold and that hurts. And I didn't do that. What we basically did in the Cold War is we just tried to one-up each other in the arms race to influence allies. So we were just any, we were just trying to beat the Russians at everything. That's why we staged the moon landing. So the USA hated the USSR and anyone who was communist like Fidel Castro. I mean, they hated them. Fidel Castro and communism was like the original ISIS. Like, you know how like, you know, the original, Fidel Castro was like the original Osama bin Laden. That's who it was. Like everybody was like, we hate him. But literally that, that was Fidel. And he was never officially part of the USSR, but he aligned Cuba with the USSR, which America was pissed off because guess what? The Cuba is 90 miles off the coast of Florida. So you don't want Russian communism and their nukes right there because then that could hit Florida. And then if we nuke Florida, that's bad because that'll set off a chain reaction and blow up the entire continent because all the drugs are in Florida and the whole thing would set on fire and you don't want fentanyl in the air. You thought the Ohio train derailment was bad. What if you dropped a bomb on Florida? There'd be fentanyl in the skies. So what happened was, is this led to a breakdown in diplomatic relations between the USA and the USSR and the US government. They began imposing economic sanctions against Cuba. That's not good. Cost me too much money now to get my cigar. Here's the thing. Fidel, he really upset the United States because he took over all these American-owned businesses in Cuba, which resulted in significant economic losses for the U.S. He took over a lot of the casinos. And so that's the thing. Casinos make the government a lot of money. That's where the mafia is involved. It's a whole thing. But this thing, dude, do you know like there's a, a, a and I don't know all the facts, but there, like Frank Sinatra almost got killed because he was in a casino down in Cuba. And like, I think like the Cubans were going to like steal Frank Sinatra or something like that. It was some type of Sinatra scandal, which I should probably have the info on because it's his Christie's and this was the show about. But we'll do an episode about Frank Sinatra being maybe kidnapped by the Cuban cartel um, on the next week's episode. So this really led to, you know, Fidel upsetting the U.S. and taking over all the American-owned businesses, which resulted in significant loss for the U.S. This really led to a breakdown in diplomatic relations between the U.S. and Cuba. And then the U.S. government started uh, uh, imposing economic sanctions against Cuba, and that just makes it worse. Okay, so again, keep in mind, U.S. capitalism, Cuba communism. So now what happened was, is when Cuba started to take their, you know, take some of our businesses away in Cuba and it fucked with our economy, we got mad because we're like, yo, you're messing with our capitalism. That's what we're saying. And so for that, you got to pay. And then we, that's when we started imposing the economic sanctions against Cuba. So then comes 1961 and a hottie with a John F. Kennedy, aka JFK, aka JFK, becomes our 35th Presidente, our only Catholic president, a president from Boston, Massachusetts, JFK, was committed to containing the spread of communism in the Western Hemisphere, and he saw Cuba's alignment with the Soviet Union as a significant threat to U.S. interests. And baby, he was right. 
He wanted to overthrow Fidel and his government. He teamed up with the CIA for what many of you have heard of, the Bay of Pigs invasion, aka the Bay of Joe DeRosa invasion. He attempted to overthrow Castro. Now, a lot of people think because of this, like some people think like this is why JFK got killed. Like it was maybe like communism stuff. Like they were like, because he was getting mad close. And I think like maybe they were like, well, we got to kill him. But, we, but then more books point to the, our own government. What can you do? What happens is in 1961, JFK and the CIA they had sent Cubans who were living in America from the last Cuban exiles. They were basically Cubans who escaped Cuba and are now living in America. We round them up and say, hey, wouldn't it be great if you guys went back to Cuba and invaded Cuba and overthrew Castro? And they were like, por qué? And I, we were like, yeah, you have to do it. Because like, you know your papers that you think they have? Yeah, I threw them away. So you got to go back to Cuba now. Whoops, which sucks, but it was the truth. Um, and the invasion was to set to take place in the Bay of Pigs, the Bay of De Rosa, which is on the southern coast of Cuba. And the way you say it is Bahia de los Cochinos. So it's Bahia de los De Rosas. The operation, it was so poorly planned and executed because, of course, these people didn't want to do it. And the invading force was quickly defeated by the Cuban military forces who, like, were dug in, knew that terrain, and were like, yeah, you're not going to fucking, you are not going to take Cuba. We need this land for Guantanamo Bay where you can torture, torture prisoners. The invasion failed, okay? And it was really just a, a, a really like embarrassing defeat for the US government. Like really, really, really bad. Like that could be another reason why JFK got killed. Like it, there, there's so many conspiracies. And then after the uh, Bay of Pigs, which is we call the BOP. So we got WAP and BOP. Cuba, they became dependent on the Soviet for military and economic aid. So basically like, I mean, honestly, like Cuba still is kind of like Soviet, like they're kind of like Russia's like little boy toy. Like, you know, everyone needs like a hot Latin little boy toy. And that's who rushes this is Cuba. Just a hot, sexy little Latin lover. So there's a lot of Russian leaders. Oh, I don't, I can barely pronounce any of their names and I forget most of them. But the one who was in charge at this time during the Bay of Pigs invasion was Nikita Khrushchev. Nikita's a good, solid name because you don't know if it's a guy's name or a girl's name. It's just genderless, which I appreciate. So the crisis begins, okay? This Cuban Missile Crisis finally begins on October 14th, 1962, where pilot major Richard Heiser was on an American U-2 spy plane above Cuba, which is where the band U-2 got their name from, is the American U-2 spy plane. And he photographed Soviet missiles in Cuba, okay? He took little pics of them in Cuba. Now you don't need U-2 spy planes to do it. You just need some autistic kid on TikTok and he'll get all the pictures you need. Now, this was a crisis like never before. Like you think we're in hot water now and you know, we're worried now about the banks collapsing and this and that. There was a time in the early 1960s, go ask your parents or grandparents about this, where they would have to practice drills almost every day where they would hide under their desk because we were so certain we were about to get nuked by Russia. And basically these missiles, they could reach any point in the United States with these nuclear warheads causing mass destruction because they were positioned in Cuba. So they were, not, they were not flying from Russia. They were flying right from Cuba so they could just hit anywhere. Okay, so on October 16th, President Kennedy was told about what was going on and then he called together a group of his advisors, which was known as XCOM or for executive committee. And these were the people who were gonna decide all these different options of what we're about to do. They, they, they said, maybe we can be diplomatic. Maybe we can go full-scale attack and invade Cuba. We can go crazy, whatever you want to do. It depends how much meth we have available. Now, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, these XCOM people, they voted to invade Cuba. Isn't that wild? They said, we have to invade Cuba. This is our only viable option. We got to literally invade Cuba. 
but he was concerned that this would start World War III between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. He got really nervous about it. And little did he know that what was going to cause World War III was President Zelensky. So JFK avoids World War III, thank you, and he, instead he opts to set up a naval blockade, which that does damage when you just got a bunch of ships in the water saying, you can't come past this line, stupid, sorry. And he basically announced his plan on October 22nd, 1962, live on TV. Good evening, my fellow citizens. This government as promised, has maintained the closest surveillance of the Soviet military buildup on the island of Cuba. Within the past week, unmistakable evidence has established the fact that a series of offensive missile sites is now in preparation on that imprisoned island. The purpose of these bases can be none other than to provide a nuclear strike capability against the Western Hemisphere. I directed that our surveillance be stepped up. And having now confirmed and completed our evaluation of the evidence and our decision on a course of action, this government feels obliged to report this new crisis to you in fullest detail. He told the American people um, that, listen, we got bombs that we discovered. In Cuba. He showed them. Uh, he showed the footage of it. And he said the United States would be putting Cuba under quarantine. Okay, so the original Dr. Fauci put him under quarantine. So, and this meant that, you know, no um, offensive weapons, nothing really like in from a military point of view is allowed to enter Cuba and he blocked Soviet ships from delivering additional missiles and military aid to Cuba with that naval blockade. He also said that any attack on the U.S. from Cuba would be considered an act of war from the Soviet Union. So those missiles got to go. Bye, Felicia. Gotta go. JFK was not fucking around, dude. He literally did every press conference getting his dick sucked by his secretary. It's awesome. So this announcement was like live on TV. Like he literally was on IG live, just coming out the pocket, calling out Nikita Khrushchev and USSR. He was like, try me, bitch. I, I don't, I'm YOLO. He was the original YOLO. Now, the people around the world, they started to fear a nuclear war. I would get that too. And they basically waited for the Soviets' response. And um, some Americans, they began hoarding food and gas, which that's what I would have done. Hoarding food. I told you, I have a 30-day supply of fettuccine Alfredo in my basement and night vision goggles. So on October 23rd, the leader of the USSR, Nikita Khrushchev, we don't know if he's a guy or a girl, said that the quarantine alone, just putting me under quarantine was good reason to begin war and that the US could just stop Soviet ships. So literally Nikita said, if you put me in quarantine, it's a war. Shout out January 6th. Now Nikita Khrushchev was not backing down. Now Nikita Khrushchev said, listen, I'm gonna start pointing missiles at you motherfucker. And Nikita Khrushchev did know, I'll keep you my dirty little secret, dirty little secret. Who has to know? All-American reject song, dirty little secret. U.S. had secret bombs in Italy and Turkey. Bang! We had, we had missiles close to you too, bitch. Dirty little secret. Now, by October 24th, Kennedy believed the U.S. was going to have to invade Cuba. They said, you've made us run out of options. Now, unfortunately, we're going to have to invade you, and there'll be no more Cuban sandwiches for anybody, and we're just going to have to live with no pork. So by October 24th, Kennedy genuinely believed that the U.S. was going to have to invade Cuba, and Kennedy put the United States on DEFCON 2 alert. He said, hide the Jews, which is the highest nuke alert we have, is DEFCON 2. He genuinely thought we were about to get nuked, but thank God we weren't. All right, so now it's showdown at sea. The U.S. blockades Cuba. On October 24th, Soviet ships, they were, about, they were headed to Cuba, which worried the United States, obvs, that this military 
confrontation was about to happen and war was going to go down between the U.S. and the Soviets. But the Soviet ships stopped short of the blockade because they don't want this smoke. They don't want this red, white, and blue smoke. They were like, we can't even beat Ukraine. How are we going to beat the United States? You can't. So it was relief to see those ships stop. They stopped. But what about the missiles in Cuba? That's the thing that we're still worried about. They still got those missiles in Cuba, but thank God they didn't provoke all-out war. Things got tense, okay? These two superpowers, they were swinging dicks. They were kind of looking at each other like, you do something, motherfucker. And then I was like, you do something, motherfucker. And we were like, you do, you do something, bitch. And he was like, you do something, bitch. They were just kept fighting like that. And then finally, what happened, though, was is on October 27th, an American reconnaissance plane got shot down over Cuba. And then we said... Now you'll die. We readied a U.S. invasion force in Florida. We told people to put down their fucking crack pipes and get in line, bitch, because we're fighting Russia. That didn't happen, by the way. We, we, nobody got invaded. No, no, none of that happened, but we, it was close. So what was going on behind closed doors? Well, even though the Soviet Union was saying, listen, we'll never back down, they were actually negotiating with the United States. That's just what happens. We do the same shit. We'll be like, we'll fight you to that, but we're all making, it's all deals. Every, war is fought in conference rooms, okay? That, that's what it is. Now, it's said that a KBG agent named Alexander Foman suggested a peaceful trade. Thank you, Mr. Foman. And October 26th, uh, Khrushchev sent a message to Kennedy uh, in which he said, listen, I'm going to remove the Cuban missiles. I will remove them in exchange for a promise by U.S. leaders not to invade Cuba. So just don't invade Cuba and everything will be good. I'll take the missiles out, be no issues. And the next day, the Soviet leader sent another letter proposing that the USSR would dismantle its missiles in Cuba if the Americans removed their dirty little secret missile installations in Turkey. So he like double texted, awk. The Kennedy administration, they accepted the first text, but they ignored the second text. The secret bombs text, they're like, oh, sorry, we didn't see that. It got lost in my DMs. And so, but privately, American officials also agreed to withdraw their nation missiles from Turkey. And October 28th, officially, the crisis was over. And there's a picture of uh, Fidel Castro, who looks exactly like Liam Neeson, happy that it's all over. So JFK is finally looking good. You know, he messed up not helping out with the Berlin Wall in 1961. He looked like an idiot during the Bay of Pigs, but now he looks like the man, okay? He looks like the man. He was, communism was spreading, but he squashed that, you know, um, and he, he was good. Because at first, you know, with communism spreading all over the world, they were questioning JFK, like, dude, you gonna do something about this? What are you doing? Stop trying to have sex with all our wives and like stop communism and then have sex with our wives. But after the Cuban Missile Crisis, it was clear that JFK was one of our greatest presidents, and it was a great, great, great moment for him. Okay, so the Americans and the Soviets, they kind of, you know, even though it was like a standoff, whatever, they were a little bit sobered by it. I think they both realized, like, damn, like, we got to communicate. That's the key to any relationship is open line of communication, folks. That's what Dr. Drew says. So they had, they actually made a hotline communication link between Washington and Moscow that basically tried to kind of say, if we ever get into a situation like this, let's just sit down, let's talk about it, let's just breathe, and let's come together in peace and unity. And that's, and that's what basically, the, the, I think it still probably exists, that open line of communication, because nobody, because here's the thing, you know, with, with everyone having nukes now, you know, you've heard it a million times, it's the mutually assured destruction. Everybody now knows, like, you know, if I nuke you, you're going to nuke me back, and then the planet's over, and it's like, if the planet's going to end, just let the North Pole and South Pole, let the polar ice caps melt and, and have a gravitational pull change and let us all die in a three-mile-high river of water. But the Cold War and the nuclear arms race 
it was far from over, okay? Like you think it's going to end, but we're still fighting secretly with Russia today. So basically from the Cold War, what happens is the US and Russia both up their ballistic mess, m missile arsenals and their nuclear missile arsenals big time because they're like, yeah, it's all good. We got the open line of communication now, but also fuck you forevs. So in closing, JFK definitely had a rough 13-day standoff with the commies, but shout out JFK for being 100% pro-America, and having the shortest quarantine of all time. Where were you in 2020? This has been Chris Therese. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you didn't like. And remember one thing, if you're going to remember one thing at all, yesterday was history.